Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and this is episode 52, and it's our second part about the next generation lead pastor with Homing and George. It's time to head into the future. Let's do this. I want to ask just very quickly too, this is kind of moving into our next topic is, as you guys have had the experience of working and serving under uh, another lead pastor or another senior pastor, and now that you guys are in those roles, how do you want to characterize the way in which you relate to the pastors who serve underneath you? Like, what are some of the ways that you may want to do different than what you had experienced before? Or maybe what are some of the ways that you want to do the same as, as what you had experienced before? So how would you characterize what you desire? for the way you want to relate to the pastors who serve alongside you, of course, but also like you are leading them and overseeing them. Actually, I would even say there's even this kind of tinge, I don't know if you guys agree, of some of, you know, sure, we just talked about a synthesis of of Western, Eastern kind of ideology and leadership, but there's also this kind of almost like, I think George and Homing are kind of bringing in a bit of their Western influence and the way that, you know, they've been brought up but still acknowledge the, the Eastern, the immigrant kind of influence that have been brought through the tradition. So I think it's just, there, there is that space of what's something maybe like you think you were, you know, that was a strength maybe from, from that, from that tradition, but uh, in terms of leadership and relating to other pastors, but then at the same time, what, what's something that, you know, might be in your current, current perspective where you want to get them towards, or, you know, you want to, you want to show a different sort of leadership in terms of maybe the Western influence. That's what I'm seeing. I could start with that, tackle a little bit of that. I think there is a lot of elements that I did appreciate from our former selves in one sense. I think one of the big ones is a, it's a big servant heart. I, I find our previous senior pastors has a huge heart and love for the church, right? They really, truly love the Chinese church and people. They really care for the people for where they are. And I find sometimes for us, it's easy to say, okay, let's get the task done. Let's move on. We want to, you know, be more efficient, right? And it's sometimes they take the more, you know, uh, extended route, the messy route, just to get to the final destination. We want a little bit more of an express route. And I find that's something I've been learning too. Sometimes you got to slow down a little bit, right? And and I find something the previous generation could have done better is invest and bring out the best in each and every one of us, the, the whole discipleship piece, right? And mm-hmm. I find often that was neglected because it was just task-based, get this done, get this done, get this done. When this is done good, how can we do it better next time? How can we make it bigger? How can we make it grander? So at the end of the day, we're not really bringing the best out of each other, right? We're not really working for the strengths of each other. And honestly, I would say coaching was not really present, right? In, 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 the, in the teams I've been part of, like equipping and, and coaching and, and really helping celebrate each other's strengths. That's something that's deep in my heart that I want to do more of in my role, right? To able to mm. shepherd well and disciple well. Yeah, I echo what George is saying. The Previous generation, by virtue of them being immigrants, they're they're resilient. They're tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to think about my own parents. You know, coming over from a foreign land, not really speaking language, with handful of cash, and then these guys got together, built a church. Now, yeah. part of building a church was they they wanted sort of a community kind of hub. And, and a big shift right now is we're telling the church not just to come to church, but be the church out 
in the city, you know, be the light and be for mm. the city. Don't just be against the city and huddle up and like, oh boy, mm. you, you know. So there's a fundamental <laughs> shift there that's happening. Part of it is, I think, and now this is, probably applies to more than just Asian churches, but there is what we call the founder's trap. Founder's mm-hmm. trap is that basically the system is the founder, you know, and what he says is law and goes, and what he says not to do, you don't do, right? And now we got to look through and do some hard digging in terms of, is there a better system that brings more voices to the table, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, more discernment, more collaboration? And, and, and uh, that's not easy, you know, to go there. But I think what it's needed right now, especially in the, in the society in Canada, what we need is that kind of leadership, collaborative leadership. Yeah. So one thing that, you know, I'm working on is, is really developing a, a better system to suit the church and system, you know, thinking is, not really, like George said, you know, in that generation, they didn't really want to talk about it. But the reality is every single church, whether you're small or big, has a system that executes what that system is made to do. And if you don't take a hard look at how people relate, how people work together, what's your purpose, what's your value system, it it ain't going to go, you know. So we're doing that right now. And my sort of dream is that the system is based on gifting and based, and it's not that everything flows through the, the senior pastor, the lead pastor. That, that was sort of before. And, and I was thrown in and George was thrown in into a system where it does, you know, they, like they want you to, to be on every committee to make decisions. Yeah. They don't want to decide for themselves or they, yeah. they, they don't want to lead because, you know, you know, you take the glory, but you also take all the blame. And I'm like, no, 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 wait, I don't want either. Okay. So yeah, I'd say, you know, in general, like you, we got to respect and honor that older generation but we got to lead the church to where God wants to lead us in the next uh, 5, 10, 20 years. And it's going to look different. The challenges are way different. But again, I think those values, like I always tell people, and George would probably say the same thing, we are a product of the system. We are the product of the discipleship pathway. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, we are a product. So people, if you want to blame me, you got to blame yourself a little bit because the, some of the good values uh, of our church are ingrained in me and, and George and, and you yeah. guys too. You cannot separate the two. You can't say, well, this guy's a new brand new guy. No, I've been in the church for 30 years. So we are part of it. Now, some of the stuff we learned was not great. We've got to adjust, but some of the stuff we should carry on. Like our church is a gracious church. We're a generous church. We're pretty resilient. Our people are quite tough and they're quite loving and they're, they're quite loyal. And those are the good things that I keep telling the church, let's keep going. Like, because we, we're not. We're just going to change how that looks, perhaps, and adapt it. But but it's basically the core of the church, the heartbeat of the church. Hopefully, is the same. And I hopefully somehow. And I know George talked about like it not being passed down directly because the poor, you know, lack of mentorship. But in some ways, it was passed down, and I hope mm-hmm. that it mm-hmm. continues to be passed down indirectly and directly. Yeah. Hmm. There's a lot to wrestle with there, and I think you guys are approaching it from a lot of different angles. So appreciate that. You know, as we continue to kind of have this conversation, I think it's like, it's really, you know, a time, especially as you guys have had a multitude of different experiences of serving and leading in the church, you guys are positioned to be able to speak and encourage those who might have had or may be currently facing those challenges. What would be your advice to those pastors in Asian churches who are middle managers, who feel frustrated to the point they believe good change will never happen? in their church leadership. And you guys have been there. Yes. Yes, we sure have. <laughs> I still feel like I'm there, there sometimes. <laughs> well, well we, we've been there before. Both Homing and I have been there before. And I, as I shared in the beginning, I think for me, speaking from my own experience is, 
you got to make the best out of the situation. I find sometimes if your senior pastor never comes to you, never develops you, never never cares for you, and never really you know speaks on your behalf, that's fine. But we could sulk about it. We we could dig a hole and jump in and say boo hoo. That's so so sad for me, right? From my experiences, I try to turn the tide around, right? And I I will go to my senior. Yo, can we have coffee sometime? Right? I'm buying. I don't really care. So there's no <laughs> excuse, right? So so we go for coffee and and we get to know each other more as brothers. So I basically tell him there's no expectation. I just want to get to know you more, right? And I think after a while, he gets to know my heart more. I get to know his heart more, and then we're able to put something on the table at least. Dialogue a little bit. I think we someone's got to take the step, and I think my encouragement to the middle guys is you take that little step first, right? Because mm. chances are, if you're going to wait for a senior to come, you can wait till Jesus comes back. It may not happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, so I don't know. That's just a small encouragement that's been working for me, right? Um, you got to harness that opportunity for yourself. Mm. Yeah, I would say to the person listening, I feel you. I feel your pain. Mm-hmm. I feel how frustrating it, it must be. And it is to, and, 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 and I think all five of us exact here ex- know exactly how you f- yeah. feel. So, so number one, I'd say we hear you, we listen to you. I, I, let me just approach it from a different. I would tell, first of all, the people that are listening that are on boards that have higher level, you know, we got to wake up and smell, smell the coffee. Like, don't expect this second generation to hang on or so you're going to somehow give it the mantle leadership to them when you don't empower them and yeah. your system is created and maintained so they don't have much, you know, like the, the first thing I do is if I was in that position, you better listen to these guys because they're not going to stay around forever. I don't want to tell the, 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 the you know, middle guy, oh, just hang on, it'll be okay, you know, because sometimes it ain't. It ain't going to be okay. Uh, it's not that easy. I'd echo what George said. I, I would say if you're going to be... This sounds very like secular, but if you can show them what you're doing is it has traction, it has some potential to be a movement and grow, they'll pay attention to you a little bit more. Number one, like, because the problem is a lot of young guys that go in, they make a muck of the the youth ministry. It's not organized. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, they blow off parents. The youth retreat uh, has no speaker uh, Mm -hmm. last minute. Of course, those guys don't listen to you. And then it perpetuates a cycle. They're like, oh, you guys don't take it seriously. They're not tough, you know? So do a good job. Like when, when I was a youth pastor and, and uh, even the young pastor and she knows this, we, we kind of, we had to grow the ministry, we had to develop and get leaders. In, and to the point where they couldn't, they couldn't ignore us any longer. I mean, you know, when, when we took over the English ministry, we, you know, you know, not the numbers really mattered too much, but you know, we doubled it in size. So, you know, can, you can keep saying that, you know, the board had to pay attention to us and they had to give us more rope to do our things. But if you, you know, so number one, but I'd say, you know, that's a very secular thing. It sounds like something that like Michael Jordan would say, okay, or someone, <laughs> someone, you know, someone who wants to aspire greatness. But I think I would tell the, them also that perhaps you can hang on because hopefully conversations like this, you know, and we'll talk, George and I will talk a little bit but later about what we've been working on. Hopefully we can inspire some, some hope in you guys because the fact that George and I are in our positions today, it means some movement is happening. And we are for you. Like we, we, Shu and I yeah. and John, we, we, we all yeah. want to work towards this goal of yep. making these Asian churches like, not just like competent again in terms for young people, but like kind of in terms of, hey, let's like, I want the Asian church people to be proud of being going to an Asian church. Like, mm. you know, when I was growing up, mm. it's like, oh man, that church down the road, they're so cool. 
<laughs> and, and well, what are we doing in this Asian church? Still playing piano, you know, like you know, you know, you know and 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 you're using overhead projectors, and yeah, yeah. you know, you're you know, you're drawing a proverbs, you know, on, on a muffin because you think that's more of a Christian thing to do. Nice, you had, you had a baking. Oh. So, so I want. I mean, I really hope that people can say, you know, man. I'm really proud of what our church is doing, whether you call it Asian church or not. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what George and I hope for. And, and I hope that if you're listening, you're in the middle position, you know, you're going to be hopefully in a position where you can have more influence, you know, one day. Yeah. And you're going to make the church something that God is going to be like super, super happy with. That was good. So my follow-up question to that is not just for the middle manager or the, the kind of pastors in the in-between, but how about for those who are the duns? of the Asian church. So they're maybe not necessarily done with the Christian faith. Maybe they moved on to other churches and may, yeah. and th- we have some of those people listening as well, who have been disenfranchised by the Asian mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just like, what do you maybe have some words of, of encouragement or advice to people who are still feeling that frustration, but I know they're even listening to this podcast, not just to go, yeah, that's what's wrong with all you guys, but they're just, <laughs> they, they have some hope to some degree that there is some transformative power whether it is in the gospel, whether it is in the, you know, the way that God is still moving somehow in, in our Asian ch- immigrant churches. So it's not just dealing with all the crap, but that, you know, what advice do you have to some of these duns that are just, you know, in that, in that place? There's so many reasons why people are done. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with personal hurt in the Asian church. It's not so much like the fact, you know, okay, I'll tell you, most people that come to me and say they're done with it, They'll say something like, oh, I want to go to more multicultural type of church. Yeah. And of course, you know, I understand what they're saying. At the same time, though, I think with that, a company's, you know, there, there's some hurt, personal hurt. Whether someone said something they, or they, they have a certain way of seeing something and the, the more Western mind cannot accept that. So I see like there's different people that are in different categories. And I think for the, the hurt person, I think the Asian church, I would say, like, I'm sorry. You know, we, we, there are probably things that we've done that are yeah. have been hurtful to you, you know. And I'm not I'm not saying I personally did it, but maybe I did it. But but a lot of that generation, I'd like to think they were they're trying their best. But sometimes life gets hold of you. It's not it's not perfect, and, and you say things, you do things, you lead in a certain way that alienates the second generation. I've been there before, you know, where I've mm-hmm. been told certain things, and and it it breaks my heart. It hurts me so much. And you know, I thought about my boy. Maybe I should you know, go to work at another type of church. But I guess what I'm seeing for myself is I, I do see there is some cultural good that comes out of an Asian church, the resilience, the togetherness. In addressing the ones that are done and, and our heart goes out to you, right? And whatever situation you guys are going through, like Homing says, there must be many reasons why. And But I think in one thing the Asian church needs to do better, really, at the end of the day, is is to really have a space where we can reconcile, right? A space where we can talk about openly about, hey, maybe it was 10 years ago. That's something I've done. It, it resonates so bad in your heart to a point where you just had to silently leave, right? To save face, right? Or to save me face, but I go, that's not good enough, right? So, so even in our church, we have done reconciliation sessions where we were able to you know, have the pastors and deacons available for people to come and talk, right? And just be open, right? And wow. and we're not there to judge. We're there to really just listen and, and and apologize when we need to. 
and pray, right? And let God be the center of the situation. And I think it, it takes a lot of, I would say, humility to do that. I, personally, it's tough for me to do that too, but, but to, to hear all those things, but I think it's necessary. After you've gone through a few of them, it becomes a lot more natural, I would say. And, and I think that's a feedback we've get, been getting in our church too, where people want us to be more transparent. It's not because we're the lead pastor or the chair of the board says, this goes, you're going to listen to us. And you don't like it too bad, so sad, right? But it goes back to a, a spirit of collaboration. And, and I think the model we're using now in our church is we're a family. In one sense, family is messy, right? And, and, and it's, no, it's not always smooth sailing. I'll be honest. Look at my own family. Certain days are high. Certain days are super low, right? But, at the, but we don't give up on family, right? We're there to work it out. So I think if we're able to show that type of spirit and have segues and platforms where people can be heard, right, and and really have a place to heal. I think it's helpful. I would say on on the more challenging side to the listener to to also mm-hmm. examine your own heart because mm-hmm. you don't want to cast blame just on the Asian church. We've mm-hmm. all done that, and we said blah blah blah. The board's bad. The senior pastor's bad. Whatever. But there's a reality also as of your own heart. You know, like George said. You know, yeah. are we looking for a polish in a church? You know, Asian churches typically don't have the strongest production value. Uh, sometimes their, their you know, values and their teaching is not the most clear or the most exciting. And sometimes people will leave for those reasons. I've heard, I've had that straight to my, told straight to my face. We want mm-hmm. to go to that big church down the road with these incredible teachers and worship band and fog machines and whatever it is, right? <laughs> Asian church is not going to spend any time, any money on that kind of stuff. Right? No, no. Right. You got to examine your own heart. You know, uh, what do you think is a church? If you think a church is high production, clear teaching, that's part of what being a church could be. But it's a lot more because I, I know a lot of Asians that go to a, a big church. Usually it's big. You never see them go to a little mom and pop, little small church, right? It's always a big church with some famous guy. And they sit there and they group with other Asians. And if I look at their, their, their life group, their small group, it, it's, it's a bunch of Asians. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? You know, where's all, where's all this mixture you're talking about, right? It's no different than my small group, right? So I don't want to call anybody out. That's Shu's word. Call people out, right? But All people <laughs> out. Damn. Lay the I'm saying that even from my own heart, I've had those feelings myself, right? Oh mm-hmm. man, I wish I had this. And sort of like, you know, that envy that uh, Eugene Peterson talks about, you know, that yeah. oh, my church is not good enough. You know, yeah. I want this and that in my church. And you're consumeristic in your approach. And uh, the Asian church doesn't particularly work well in that, that mindset. Was we're just not going to do that. We're, we're more of a family-based communal feel to the church where mm-hmm. the members will care and, and, and say, sacrifice hard for you and serve you, but they may not be, you know, we might be not the strongest in certain areas as well. So I just want to be honest about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know what? I'm excited because of the way you guys have answered. And I'm wondering if it will be a defining characteristic of the next generation lead pastor is to take steps to open up more spaces for mm-hmm conversation and healing and reconciliation and to be okay being the church that <laughs> you are right and and that's exciting because hopefully that gives opportunity for people to be invited into that process and you know what mm. something homing joked about you know a lot earlier you know when we were talking about like oh what advice would you give to the middleman that feels like, you know, that things won't change and what good can come out of this? And like, it's, it's always walls that you're kind of banging your head up against and such like that. 
But you said it as a joke, but I was like, there's actually something so profound in there because you you were like, man, I have the same challenges too. <laughs> and you're in the lead <laughs> position. You feel the same way. And I think yeah, sometimes I that dispels some of that mentality that, okay, you know, the, the lead pastor is facing those challenges and perhaps there's a way in which you can join together and be, you know, standing together as yeah. you face the challenges. And, you know, a lot of people don't have that mentality because maybe they looked at the previous one and said like, oh, he made the call and that's what we did. And it doesn't seem like there's those barriers or those frustrations, but mm. you guys are being honest in that way. You're like, I, I have the same challenges. And I think oh, yeah. that's exciting because of where things can go. Yeah, you know what it is? It's, it's, it's not simply as here's the middle guy and here's the senior guy. There's something called a governance board. The board, yeah. The board, you know, executive board, whatever you want to call it, deacon mm-hmm. board, that is, is actually not talked about in many podcasts or circles. Mm-hmm. But that is, I would actually argue one of the first indicators of church health is how the board governs and how, or governance, how the board. Yeah. Yeah, because you can say, oh, when I'm a senior guy, I'm going to have to call the shots. Well, no, yeah, you can call some shots, but you answer to a board. And you, mm-hmm. you're in a system that is going to execute what that system is designed for. And if yep. there's, there's not clarity in that system, there's no movement in that system, you could be the best guy in the universe in terms of preaching and teaching and vision, but you're going to bang your head every time against that, that wall because you haven't dealt with the, gov- the, the underlying yeah. uh, way decisions are made. You could call that a culture. You could call that a governance board, but those are two are linked. So, I mean, I just want that sort of a side note, but I do think yeah. um, Asian churches, actually all churches, but Asian churches need to talk about that and have the courage to step in and say, no, you know, that's not what this guy should be doing. This is not how we should be relating. We need to have boundaries. We need to, this is what you should be doing. This is, you know, we got to have those conversations because I, I've learned more and more that it's not just about the two positions and mm. I'm higher and lower. Yeah. It's about how those positions relate to everybody else. So when, yeah. for those listening, they think, oh boy, if I'm a senior guy, I'm going to call the shots. Yeah, well, you know, you're going to also take all the shots too. And that's <laughs> Yeah. Good luck. Good right. luck. Good yeah. luck. You know, you, you need a shield, a meat shield in yeah. front of you to take all that. So unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. when you're the senior guy, there's no guy, there's nobody taking it for you. Because when I was a when I was a youth guy or whatever, and Shu knows this, you know, we'd have yeah. someone else taking it for us. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh shoot, I'm totally exposed. You know, so sorry. All arrows on your back, right? Like even in my role now, the person I spend the most time with, besides my language lead pastors, is my board chair, right? Really, at the end of the day, because he needs to understand my heart. I need to understand his heart and vice versa, right? So, so really, at the end of the day, I think if we are able to walk with clear expectations and we're able to communicate that well to the congregation, that's one step closer. Because right now I find in our roles, a lot of time people are not clear what we're supposed to be doing, right? So, so there's a lot of sidestepping on each other and, and, and it's, not, it's, it's really not healthy at the end of the day, right? So, so I think that's something I totally echo what Homing says there. Board governance is extremely important. It's just because like, even when I'm thinking about boards and maybe I just have a very different experience or even like even in our current church, like the way that we operate, like we uh, flatten out all the leadership. So mm-hmm. the board is, and the pastors are all on a team together. And so like, it's just, it's interesting to, to kind of hear. And I, like, I, I've been there, like I've been part mm-hmm. of a Chinese church. I understand, you know, the, the kind of governance that is, I'm just kind of like, I think my, my wheel, my wheelhouse is, that's kind of churning right now. It's like, so what, what would that look like? You know, like, and I, I guess one of my questions too for you guys is, what do you see 
the Chinese church in about 10 years, 15 years. Because I think like, you know, as, as we are living out this kind of bridge generation, like we're bridging towards something, right? And I'm not saying that like we will be like, you know, futurists and, and kind of paint the full picture, but I'm, I'm curious, like what, where do you see it? And where do you see the role of Chinese churches when immigration pivots and change and where even our generation changes and we're going to be more second gen, third gen, you know, fourth gen, what would, what, where's the place in the role of Chinese churches? That's hard to predict, you know, in terms of where the Asian church is going to be. Currently, there are roughly, what, 250 Chinese churches. Mm-hmm. We're not talking mm-hmm. Koreans or Japanese. Chinese churches in Toronto, 500 plus in Canada. I worry about the future for some. For ten, I think in 10 years, quite a few can still survive. You know, like, I use that word on purpose, survive. Like, you're just maintaining... <laughs> You are, you're not probably dying, you know, but you're not, you're, you're okay. You know, you're okay. There's enough immigration. There's enough, like, you know, people that are loyal. You're going to keep going. But after 10 years, my prediction is you either evolve and get things right and get more healthy. And it's not about church growth as much as church health in my mind, or your church is going to go straight down. The, I don't know. That's terrible to say. You know, George used a better term for it. It's going to close shop. Right. I see that, you know, that's going to happen if you don't start addressing some of these issues, because they, the Chinese church is always predicated on, oh, the second gen, second gen, second. They always say it. Right. Mm-hmm. But how many of them are taking it seriously to say, no, we, we really believe in you. We're not just going to just give you a few, you know, a little seat at the table, but we actually control the, you know, call the shots. You just say whatever you want, but really take over because that is a big, big, big transition to, 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 to let the second gen, all the English speakers start really becoming the leaders of the church. And a lot of people have already, a lot of churches have already tried to say that a decade or two decades. Sure. Ago. It's a popular phrase. I think it's, it's the most popular phrase. They love the saying most, it, right? They love saying it because they all, they all know it's true, but I don't see much action in this area. Like mm-hmm. George said, where's the discipleship, mentorship, empowerment mm-hmm. of that second generation? Just, mm-hmm. just those basic things are not there, let alone saying, you guys take it over, right? So, I mean, I would say I would go in that realm. I think some Chinese churches are going to evolve to to be only English speakers, right? Mm-hmm. English speaking churches. We see that in BC already. We see that in America. They they become little church plants, usually urban or you know maybe fifty to hundred people, and they kind of spawn out of that. Some churches will will close down, and some will remain the the, the model. And I I really hope actually more churches become even more multicultural, where there are different languages spoken, mm-hmm. and as because. The Chinese church, the, 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 I think this, one of the strengths is we understand immigrants. We understand mm-hmm. the immigrant experience, and we understand that the, the role of an immigrant church. Like, we have a Persian church near us, and they, they, they called us and talked to us about how to start a second-gen ministry because the mm-hmm. first-gen is speaking Farsi. The second-gen's like, hey, we want to speak English. Right? Mm-hmm. So they're like 30 years behind us. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd like to see the Asian church uh, be a kind of beacon for how to engage multicultural landscapes. Yeah, because let's face it, immigration is not. Uh, I don't see stop signs of it stopping, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to always have the influx of people, and and I see in Korean churches that's a little bit different, and I see in other churches that's a little bit different. But let's face it, Canada is a is a country of immigration, so I think there's always going to be a place. But the the standard traditional Asian church, one senior pastor, three languages, senior pastor is always a Cantonese guy. I think that's done, mm-hmm. and I think if you, I, I'm, I'll be bold enough to say it. If you hire a guy. And he's a guy from Hong Kong right now. 
I think you're taking 10, 10 steps, uh, 10, 10 years backwards. You're going, you're, you're taking uh, the DeLorean and you're going back in time. <laughs> Ooh, back to the, um, yeah, yeah. Man, oh, the sorry, the wrong way, you know, because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I, I heard this phrase from another I can go forward too, right now. Yeah, we can go forward, but it's like a trilingual savior. Go back you know, to the future. That's not going to happen. I don't think that's the way to approach it, you know, to find a trilingual, you know, savior. Now you open the can of worms. Um, yeah, you said. Really, at the end of the day, I, I see the Chinese church going into several models. I think some would just continue to exist like the way they are because they could afford it because the buildings paid off and and people are are still loving that community. And and I think some will branch off. I believe, like I I, I think there's huge opportunity, especially in the Mandarin congregation, the second gen, because obviously you can't amalgamate them into a typical this English second gen ministry app, it doesn't work because we're sort of assimilating everyone in. It's just because we want you to speak English, go there. I want them to evolve into something that works for them too. It's sort of like the parent having two kids. We want them to grow up, right? The English kid and the Mandarin speaking kid. We want them to grow up. And with the blessing, I think of the parents still, right? They, they could, they could be people in the background supporting it. They could be investors. They could be people that's cheering us on, right? I see that as a model as well. Obviously, another model is to become a little bit more multicultural, right? Right, Pan-Asian, whatever have you. But I think we, we just have to, if you ask me, all those models are great, but if it does not go back to a vision of discipleship, then you're screwed up, if you ask me. Because if we have that central vision in the Asian church, we want to make disciples that make disciples and invest in them well, we'll let it naturally progress to however it goes. But if we just put them in buckets, you got to evolve into this model because we think that's where you should go. Then it's just fueling another machine, another model at the end of the day. It's not going to sustain itself, right? And, and we find that's where we're transitioning towards from our church. And it's, it's growing pains because we were very program-driven, very task-oriented for all these years. Right now we're going in, into more disciple-making uh, ethos in our church. And we find that's going to be the roadmap in the future, not necessarily language, not necessarily culture. Yeah, that stuff will drive it, but ultimately it's, it's, the, it's the culture of disciple-making for us. That's what we see in one sense. And, and I think you guys know this. George, George and I have been talking. We're good friends and helping each other through the, the journey of, of becoming the lead pastor. One of the things that we, we talked about, and George can add to this, which is, um, you know, we, we're, we're talking about um, how do we, what, what are the steps forward for the Asian church? We need some kind of platform, some kind of collaboration to, 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 to do this. And I got, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm a synthesizer, not a creator. So I, I took this idea from these, my American friends. They, they invited me to this colloquium where a bunch of Asian American, um, Chinese American pastors are forming sort of a network. And, and I guess they're like, oh, this is a Canadian guy. Let's, let's get him, right? So I don't know. I'm the, <laughs> whole, I'm the lone Canadian there. Uh, actually, I want you and George to like, or you guys to be part of it too, to just go down and represent Canada. It's in Boston every year. And I took that idea and I thought, oh, maybe we should do that for the GTA. George and I talked and we're, trying to, we're in the first steps of, of, of sort of talking about what does the future look like in the Chinese church? Because like to your point, if we don't start talking about it, if we don't start supporting each other, uh, whether it's emotional support or just figuring out how to do this together, the Chinese church is not going to do well. You know, whether it's, it's just going to float along with no English pastor, no senior pastor, people are just kind of go, drifting off into in the middle of nowhere. We need to kind of come together and have some kind of dialogue, have some kind of listening ear, have some kind of 
you know, what we call co-creation, you know, talk about how the generations should work together to, to build the future. Hmm. So we're in the, the process of it. You know, we, um, we would like to do something like, um, like a mini get together and, and just have a talk, but then COVID hit and that got, po- that's being postponed to 2021 now. And of course we talked about even uh, you, you guys in this podcast, how hmm. you guys are, are, are part of the picture as well, obviously. Yes. You know, the, the, the kind of the content podcasting arm, you know, because we're all sort of wanting to work, to work together in one uh, in that direction. So, uh, George, you have any comments? I mean, you you know, you've been an instrumental part of it. No, what you said is it's spot on. I think we just want to create an environment where we can dream together and support each other and really look to God to to see what the future of the Asian church uh, can be for his glory's sake. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great place for us to end off today. And one of the things that I'm leaving with a sense of is that the future is looking bright. It can have a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of potential of, of where it can go. But mostly if we put our, our faith and trust in God that he builds it and he makes that way and he will shape it according to you know, how he desires for his kingdom. And maybe it's going to be beyond what we can even imagine at this point. But, you know, would we do our parts? We've talked about in this podcast before how maybe we are that bridge generation. You know, George, you mentioned it earlier too. And we might not see the promised land. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. not. <laughs> but, you know, can we in this time sense God's presence and work that moves us in a direction toward what he desires for us? And so that is exciting for us to end off on this time. Thank you so much, Homing and George, for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's been an honor to be on here. Looking forward to our continual friendship and our co-laboring in the kingdom. And thank you guys for coming along this journey and for listening to our episode today. We had discussed a lot in this two-parter episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what does it mean to be the lead pastor coming from a second generation as we imagine and head into the future that God is calling us to. As always, you can reach us by Facebook, email, Twitter, or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast so that we can continue to invite people into this conversation. It really does help us out as you do that. Once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope that you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.